Turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. Our scripture reading this morning is going to be Hebrews chapter 12, verses 12 through 17. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 12 through 17. And I just realized I don't have my Bible, so just give me a second. All right, I'm back. Hebrews uh, chapter 12, verses 12 through 17. But before we hear the reading of God's word, let us pray and ask for his blessing upon the ministry of his word this morning. Father, come before you humbly asking that you would remember your promise, that your word will not return to you void. Father, your word is that imperishable seed by which we have been born again, and it is that pure spiritual milk by which we grow up in our salvation. And so we ask you, Father, that you would open our ears to hear your voice this morning, that you would open our eyes to, to see your glory in your word, that, that you would open our hearts to, to know your love for us in its full depth and width and height. And Father, we pray that you would grant to us the grace we need to bring forth the fruit of these truths in our lives to the praise of your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning at verse 12. This is the very word of God. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears." That is the reading of God's word. In the first paragraph of chapter 12, you remember that we heard the author's challenge to run with endurance the race that has been set before us, to, to run with our eyes fixed on Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Then last Sunday in the second paragraph, we, we heard him give us three reasons to, to keep running, even in the midst of our suffering. First, he, he pointed us to, to Jesus, the one who, who suffered such great hostility from sinners, but who now nevertheless sits at the right hand of the throne of God. In Jesus, the author wanted us to see that our present suffering cannot thwart God's purposes for our good. Our present suffering cannot keep us from the promised reward. Second, the author pointed to the Hebrews' own suffering because he wanted them and he, and he wanted us to see that they had not yet resisted to the point of shedding their blood. He wanted them to know this, not to, to minimize their suffering, but to let them and to let us know that, that their suffering and, and our suffering is still well within the scope of what is worth it. Jesus asked, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? 
In effect, the author here is asking the reverse. What does it really cost a man if he gains his soul but loses the world? Finally, our author pointed us to the purpose of our suffering. Our suffering is not random. It is not pointless. It is not senseless. On the contrary, it is an instrument in the hands of our good, good Father. Our suffering is a tool that he is using for our discipline. It is, it is a tool that he is using to, to train us that we might share in his holiness and know the joy of glorifying him for all eternity. For these three reasons, the author says, we ought not be discouraged even if we suffer in the midst of our race. And so it is with, this, with these three reasons in mind that the author says in verse 12, Therefore, lift your drooping hands, strengthen your weak knees, and make straight paths for your feet. The language may be a little archaic, it may sound a little odd to our ears, but the author's encouragement is exactly like the encouragement so many of us have received from our coaches during our athletic careers, such as they were. I played sports my entire life. I, I played sports in elementary. I played in middle school. I played in high school. I, I played in college. And I cannot tell you how many times I have heard a coach yell, keep going. Don't quit. Don't give up. This is an encouragement that, that we have all heard so many times. And of course, it is an encouragement that is given to those who are tempted to give up. I remember when I ran cross country my freshman year in high school, I was tempted to give up every day, every practice, every race I wanted to quit. Even as I ran, I can remember looking for holes on the ground that I could step in so that I could turn my ankle and have an excuse to stop running. But the coach and the other runners, they would always encourage me. They would always yell, come on, keep going, don't give up, don't stop. Their encouragements were reminders. They were reminders that I was running for a reason. Yes, I, I wanted to stop, but I didn't really. I didn't really want to stop. It, it hurt, but it was for a purpose. I was suffering, but there was a goal. And if I kept going, I would reach that goal. And I can say that their encouragements worked. I never once intentionally stepped in a hole so that I could twist my ankle and, and stop Running. I wasn't very fast, but I always kept going. Well, it is just such an encouragement that the author is giving us this morning. He is, he is yelling to weary runners, don't stop. Don't give up. Don't quit. Keep going. Or as he puts it here in verse 12, lift your drooping hands, strengthen your weak knees, and make straight paths for your feet. I suspect we all know what it is like to, to need such encouragement in the Christian life. We have all been 
weary. We have all been at the edge of exhaustion. We've all had those moments when we were looking for holes to, to step in so that we could have an excuse to stop running. It can be hard to keep loving your spouse when they don't seem to have your best interest in mind. It can be hard to, to keep loving your kids when attending to their needs means leaving your own needs unattended. It can be hard to honor your boss when he consistently makes your life miserable. It can be hard to keep yourself pure when a cherished sin is the, the comfort food that you turn to after you've had a long week. It can be hard not to be anxious in times when we seemingly have so much to be anxious about. I suspect all of us have encountered new challenges during this unique season, this, this season of social isolation, this season of safer at home. In the past few weeks, I am sure that as we have tried to acclimate to our new normal, that we have, we have found new temptations, new struggles in our endeavor to live as becomes the followers of Christ. I suspect more than once you have felt the desire to take a break from the Christian life. I can remember my RUF students speaking that way. They would endeavor to, to be holy. They would endeavor to, to follow Christ throughout the week, and then they would decide that they deserve Saturday off because they had been good all week long, and they needed a break. How easy it is for sinners to think that way about the race that has been set before us. How easy it is for us to think about the call to, to holiness as, as a call from which we need to take a break every now and again. Take a, a breather because the, because the running is hard. Or if you have ever been there, you know what it is to need this sort of encouragement. You know what it is to, to need someone yelling to you, keep going, don't give up. Strengthen your, your weak knees, lift your, your drooping hands, make the path straight, remove the obstacles. Yet even though we know what it is, to, to need this sort of exhortation, I suspect at the same time, we also find such exhortation at least a bit odd. It's not the sort of, it's not the sort of exhortation we expect to hear from a preacher. Preachers, at least the, the good ones, are, are supposed to be preachers of grace, but not to be preachers of of works, and therefore it seems odd to us to hear a preacher basically exhorting us to simply keep going. It, it seems odd to hear him say simply, don't give up, don't, don't quit. It sounds more like effort than grace. Well, it is a call for human effort. There's, there's no way around that. The author this morning is exhorting you to keep going, to, to keep putting in the effort required to, to move forward in the race. But what we need to recognize is that there is no contradiction between effort and grace. There is nothing here that is out of accord with the gospel. Effort and grace go hand 
and Ham. Think of Paul's language at the end of, of Colossians chapter 1. Paul has said that, that he proclaims Christ, warning and instructing everyone in him so that he might present everyone mature in him on that last day. He then says that he does this toiling. The, the word is agonizing struggling even with, with all of the strength that God so powerfully works in him. His ministry is toil, it is struggle, it is even agony. He works hard. Yes, he, he works in the strength that God works in him, but he labors. He says much the same thing in, in Philippians chapter 2. Unless we think that effort is something required only of apostles, Paul writes to all of the saints at Philippi that they are to work out their salvation with fear and trembling. Yes, they are to do this knowing that it is God who is at work in them to will and to do his good pleasure. But they are to work. They are to work out their salvation. They are to, to labor, to, to put their faith into practice. Or to use the language of Hebrews, they are to work, to run the race that has been set before him. The Christian life requires effort. The Christian life is a life of work and toil. That's why Jesus called it a hard way. Yes, we work in humble reliance upon his empowering grace. Yes, yes, he provides the strength we need to do what we have been called to do. But we must work. We must strive. We must run. And we in the evangelical church today need to know this. We need to expect the Christian life to be work. We need to expect it to, to require Effort. We, we sometimes say things like, let go and let God, because it's as if God's grace is going to do all the work for us. No. Yes, we are to rely upon God's strength. Yes, we are to, to look to God for empowering grace. But we are to run the race that has been set before us. You must commit yourself to the work necessary to walk in the footsteps of faith. And it is because we must commit ourselves to, to such labors, because we must commit ourselves to, to such uh, toil, that the author sets before us these encouragements this morning. That he calls to us not to quit, but to keep going, to press on, to run with endurance the race that has been set before us. So hear that encouragement this morning. Even as Ben prayed, we, we don't know what the next weeks and months will hold. We don't know how this situation will unfold. But we know that we are called to press on the love for God and love for neighbor. And so therefore, let us hear his encouragement to, to press on even when it gets going, knowing that he will provide the strength but knowing that we must put that grace to work by seeking to love well in whatever situation he has placed us. But not only do we need to hear the, the call to, to keep going, we also need to hear the, the promise that the author attaches to that call. Notice what the author says at the end of, of verse 13. 
He says, lift your drooping hands. Why? So that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather healed. What I want you to notice in that first is that the, the author simply assumes that the Hebrews are, are lame. He's, he's seen it. He, he's seen them limping. My kids see me limping around the house sometimes because I have a sore back or because I have a sore ankle, and they immediately know that something is not right. Well, the author has, has seen, in a sense, that the Hebrews limping, he has, he has seen them beginning to, to drift from their commitment to the Christian life. He has seen that they have lost the joy that they once had, even in the face of, of persecution. They have, they have begun to wonder whether following Jesus is really worth it. He knows that they are lame. Now that's not a very flattering observation, but I want to suggest to you that it is a comforting one. Isn't it comforting to know that this isn't the way things are supposed to be? Isn't it comforting to, to know that this isn't what health looks like? As I said, I've, I've had a sore back for a long time now, and it, it's obvious that, that I am hurting, but it is good to know that this isn't health. It is good to know that this isn't the way things are supposed to be. It's, it's good because it means that if, that if I am lame, that I might be healed. It means there is a health that is different than what I am presently Experiencing. And so if you are, are struggling in the Christian life, it is good to know that you are lame. It is good to know that, that your present experience is not health. It's good, not because it's, it's good to be unhealthy and not because it's good to be lame. It's good because it holds out the possibility that you might be healed. But notice how that healing comes. Notice what the author says. He, he says that we ought to run and that we ought to keep running so that we might be healed. It's not the way that we often think. We often think that, that we will begin running or we will resume running after we are better. This is the way it works in, in, with our physical bodies sometimes. If I have a hurt ankle, if I have a, a sore back, I, I take time off so that I can heal but it's not the way it is spiritually, according to the author. We, we don't put off running until we are better, but rather we run so that we might be healed. It is in the running. It is in the, the striving. It is in the, the endurance that we find health. Think about what that means for us in the Christian life. It means that, that if you're not feeling generous, you, you don't wait till the Spirit hits you to begin giving, but, but rather you begin giving that you might become generous. It means that, that you will learn to be pure by being pure. You don't wait until you're feeling it, but rather you pursue purity that you might become Pure. You learn to pray by praying. You, you learn to serve by serving. You learn to be patient by, by being patient. You find healing in running. This is true of the entire Christian life. 
So let me ask you, what sin have you been struggling against, especially in this new season of, of social distancing? What sin has, has reared its head? What temptation has entangled you and ensnared your You must know that you will find health not by waiting to get better, but by endeavoring to run the race that has been set before you. Run that you might be healed. Don't give up. Don't give up the fight. Don't quit. Keep picking yourself up out of the dirt again and again, day after day, week after week. Yes, do it in humble reliance upon the, the grace of the Holy Spirit. But don't think that the grace of the Holy Spirit means you don't have to work. Put in the effort. Keep going. Press on towards the prize. The grace of the Holy Spirit ensures that your efforts will not be in vain. But you must still put in the effort. And it is in giving the effort that you will be strengthened more and more to, to renounce the, the ungodliness and, and worldly passions of your flesh and to live an upright, controlled, and godly life in this present age. And it is exactly such a life that the author has in mind. We, we see this in verse 14. Notice again what the author says. He, he says, strive for, for peace and with, uh, with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. We don't have time to fully unpack those verses this morning. We will come back to them after Easter. But I, I just want to, to quickly show you that, that he is speaking here of, of peace with everyone. That is peace with your neighbors. That is love for neighbor. And he is speaking of holiness, which is a life devoted to the Lord. Love for God, love for neighbor. This is the life that the author is setting before you. This is the life that he is exhorting us to, to keep on, to, to press on with endurance. And so let me ask you this morning simply to reflect upon this question. What are the ways that I am to be loving God and loving neighbor in this present situation? How do I devote myself to the Lord when I am stuck at home? How do I love my neighbor well when I can't get within six feet of them? They're not easy answers to those questions. It requires spiritual wisdom to, to know how to, to identify the path that we are to walk. But let me encourage you that even in this season of social distancing, this is the race you are to be committed to. As you are stuck at home, as you are separated from friends, as you are alone together, as the hashtag goes, ask yourself, what does the Christian life look for me, look like for me here and how do I love God? How do I love neighbor in this season? Maybe it's as simple as having a conversation. Maybe it's as simple as sharing a, a word of encouragement. Maybe it is actually as simple as, as staying home. That is itself an act of, of love for those who are most 
marginalized. Maybe it is pursuing God and, uh, and pursuing uh, an intimacy with him and with a, with a new zeal in this time of, of social isolation. I don't know exactly what it will look like for each of you, but there is a race that has been marked out for you. And it is a race that is hard. It is a, a race that requires endurance. And the author is charging you this morning, keep going. Lift your drooping hands. Strengthen your weak knees. Make straight your paths that you might run well the race that has been set before you. That encouragement comes with a promise. And the promise is that the one who keeps going, the one who runs, that one will be healed. Jesus will work in and through your efforts to bring you to a place of, of greater health. Even as you endeavor to love him, he will cause your love for him to abound. Even as you endeavor to, to serve your neighbor, he will strengthen your hands for such service. So give yourself to these things that he might make you into the one he would have you to be, that he might fit you for heaven by training you to share in his holiness. And because he is at work in and through all our efforts, because we labor in the strength that he provides, and because he guarantees the fruit, that is one reason we call this good news. Do you believe that? Let us believe it together. Father God, we come before you now, humbly asking that you would give us your grace, that you would give us your grace to, to run well, the race that has been set before us. Give us the grace we need to take up our crosses daily and follow your Son. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.